Welcome back. Happy tears, this is. <laughs> Hold on, I think I've got a better one in me. Okay. <laughs> it's more like, is it? Is, it, is this closer? <laughs> it's a little, little bit of Sean Connery and with mixed with Yoda. Happy tears, this is. That was pretty good. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> Welcome to Happy Tears! I'm Brandon. And I'm Nick, and this is Happy Tears, <laughs> a podcast where two sensitive boys talk about the art that they love so much so that it often brings them to tears. Today on the podcast, you guessed it, we're talking about Star Wars. Ever heard of it? We're a little behind on our review of Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, but whatever. It's, yeah. it's still relevant, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, as well as year. Disney Plus's The Mandalorian television program so it's a star wars day here on the podcast and this is happy tears well it's a new year here on happy tears also everywhere else in the world and we start every episode with recommendations of things we're watching listening to and consuming so for the first recommendations of the year brandon what do you got wow this song came out a, a little bit ago, um, but it's a band called Destroyer, and this song is called Q Synthesizer. It's just a really cool, groovy track um, that kind of builds on itself a little bit, and I really like it. It's like, I, I guess, a clever track. It's it's kind of funny and matter of fact. but And then the album titled Marigold by Pine Grove. Pine Grove's a band that I've... I've really loved, and I like their two past releases a lot. Yeah, the songwriting on this one I really love. Uh, I've always thought Evan was a good songwriter, and I like the guitar work a lot. And some of his lyrics are a bit brainy at points, but the the instrumentation has always felt very like comforting and takes elements from like country and indie rock and emo and kind of like mixes them all together to something that's very relatable and comforting for me all the music just had a soft spot for it nice but anyways yeah i I really like some really great songs the first track uh on the album is called dotted line and is great great place to start and then yeah and there's some like great emotional moments on the record as well the song titled endless like the last bit or the outro of that song is kind of like this almost Sounds like a mantra, like repeating, and the instrumentation during that part is really great as well. But the lyrics are, uh, when this is over, when this is under, a foot of water, hold me forever, hold me forever, and it kind of like repeats that uh, a few times in in different ways. It's really great, but that song's titled Endless. Anyways, I'll pick something from that to add to our our Spotify playlist, Happy Tears Mixtape. Excellent. Um, yeah, a song I will throw on the playlist is from Harry Styles' new album. The album's called Fine Line. Um, I think I like it overall. I like a couple very specific songs a lot. Mm-hmm. His singles are okay, and I, a lot of my friends seem to like them, but the song I like the most is a song called To Be So Lonely. It's got this cool uh, ukulele intro. I just think the instrumentation is really cool and uh it just builds into this kind of big song and i i like it a lot so i'll throw that on the playlist also i also watched a um a movie lately i've been trying to catch up with all the things that are oscar nominated Mm -hmm. before the oscars in a couple of weeks and one of them was uh best animated feature there's 
one called I Lost My Body yeah. on the Netflix. You haven't watched this, have you? Nope. Animated film uh, where you follow uh, a disembodied hand as it crawls around a city. Right. As well as it's cut <laughs> between the story of this guy um, and theoretically it's his hand because it's got the same like birthmark on, on the knuckle or whatever. Yeah. And so um, it's an emotional story about... Um, Part of it's about home and belonging and family, and and uh, it, it gets pretty deep. It's I thought it was really beautiful, so I, I highly recommend checking it out, especially if you are like an Oscars completionist. <laughs> right, right. It's so hard to be one of those. Oh god, there's so many things. Yeah, I mean, I'll never, I'll never Get watch as many as yeah as I want, but um, unless we start getting those screeners, Nick. Let me in, Academy. <laughs> I'm ready. Cool. Well, another thing we do on this podcast is talk about uh, our happy tears, and we've had a lot of them. Had a lot of time for them. <laughs> but uh, any specific ones that you wanna want to bring up? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, so I'm not big on these Disney live-action remakes. Yeah. I don't think we need them. All of the movies that they're remaking – it's just a shittier version than the animated original yeah. feature. However, I have cried every time I've watched the Mulan trailer. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I wasn't even that into Mulan as a kid. Mm-hmm. But especially now that I'm older and I, I can look back at all, all of those movies, it's probably the most uplifting, definitely in terms of women, right? Like it's it's a a very empowering film, whereas a lot of the... Disney princesses are either damsels in distress or, or you know, they're just cute princesses. Mm-hmm. And so I, something about the uh, empowering, uplifting sentiment of it, as soon as that music hits, like halfway through the trailer, that's like the familiar song yeah. from the movie, uh, man, it gets me every time. <laughs> uh, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, we'll touch on it probably when we talk about Oscars, but I did watch 1917 yesterday. And uh, I really enjoyed it. It's probably somewhere in my top ten films of the year. I don't know if it breaks into the top five just yet. Definitely by the end, there were some pretty, pretty major happy tears for me. Like it was, it's, it, it's. I think a lot of people have compared it to Saving Private Ryan in some ways, mm-hmm. and it definitely has that feel. And it also, it, it's a very boots on the ground, dirty look at war and how absolutely horrible it is, right? And uh, I had to take like a couple minutes just sitting in the theater once the credits rolled of like yeah. deep breaths and like, God, that was awful. I mean, mm-hmm. be- beautiful and the story itself is is pretty, it's just, I don't know, it's a good movie. Yeah. But it is, it does really make you think about the uh, horrifying nature of, of war. And uh, I needed a minute, but I also was crying a lot. So, <laughs> so that's yeah. So that's that. What about you? Uh, just running through a couple here first. So it's a real. This is a real nerdy thing, but uh, there is a like an audio file subreddit and a real to real subreddit, and this was like a cross posted thing on them. But there's a tape of the or master tape that someone got a hold of and filmed on their reel-to-reel player of Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. Okay. And the song already has, I mean, it's a beautiful song. It already has, like, a lot of sentimental value to me because my mom used to always listen to it, like, when I was with her and, like, car rides and stuff. Um, and she loves Tracy Chapman, so. But the the sound quality of this recording and how 
pure the voice sounds is incredible. So there's like all these things tied into one. And anyways, we can link this in the show notes as well, but it's just not a super long video and it's just literally of the real to real player playing this tape uh, and it just sounds amazing. But That's awesome. Yeah. And then another one, I was at work the other day and in the office there uh, was someone talking to their daughter and she was like a teenage, younger teenage daughter uh, about music and as it's this dad was, um, they were both talking about this artist and just different songs that they loved by the artist and just seeing a dad connect with their daughter over music and seem really interested in her taste but also there's something that like that they but he was I mean he was being you know genuine about loving them and I I never caught what the artist was but it was just a real sweet sweet moment and they thought they were talking for a while about like different songs and what parts of songs that they really loved and all this stuff and so it was a nice like parent moment but also like a cool music cool music moment and think about being able to connect with your kids on a on that sort of level is really really cool that's great uh, and then wholesome. and then lastly I overheard the song duality which makes me think they they might have even been talking about slipknot which would be hilarious <laughs> but either way uh, a hidden life I saw in the theater and very long movie I'm a big Terrence Malick boy he's always like it's you know when you're going into one of his movies it's they're like poetry on film kind of thing. And there's a lot of like swooping uh, cinematography and nature shots and all that stuff. But this one is about this uh, farmer that like refused to uh, fight for the Nazis. He's an Austrian farmer and it's a true story. And just a lot of the moments between him and his wife and then all of the, the circumstances they were in and all that stuff. There's just several, several moments between. Um, and, a, and a lot of that has to do with uh, how intimate he's, amazing at shooting like really intimate scenes um whether it's like um you know relationships or uh in like in tree of life there's a lot of really great see like scenes with kids and stuff too so anyways yeah excellent i've never seen a movie by that person (laughs) there's quite a few of them to see yeah tree of life is the is like one of my biggest like decade blind spots for the 2010s yeah, I think all of them are real, like, I don't know, maybe even start with his first one that's a little bit more narrative-heavy in Badlands. I like so many of them, so. Great. I'll check it out. I'll check something out. Lovely. S- eventually, <laughs> at some point. Now on to the thing. So, how much do we really need to intro this next topic? Oh, man. Uh, Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker is the culmination of eight previous films 
that cover the Skywalker saga of Star Wars. Uh, the letterbox description reads thusly, The surviving resistance faces the First Order once again as the journey of Rey, Finn, and Poe Dameron continues. With the power and the knowledge of generations behind them, the final battle begins. Pretty vague. Uh, so this is the third installment in the third trilogy of nine total films. The first one, episode seven, being directed by J.J. Abrams. Episode eight, being directed by Ryan Johnson. And now mm -hmm. this last one being directed once again by J.J. Abrams. I suppose we do a little bit of personal history with yeah, this let's stuff. Yeah, I'll go first. Sure. I loved the the original trilogy and I, as a kid and then was super into the uh the prequels although i've recently you know gone back to watch those and uh we could talk about <laughs> watching those with with new eyes right but anyways that yeah so definitely definitely into it as a kid you know would get the the lightsabers and stuff as those toys were coming out so when the force awakens came out i was excited to see this on the big screen again but i was definitely not I'm just not as invested as some other people are. And so uh, I had my own kind of, you know, it was ex an exciting time, but my own issues with that film uh, that we'll also talk about here. And then I've watched a little bit of The Clone Wars and I, you know, I've seen Solo and Rogue One. And, um, but I, in terms of like, in, you know, in the past 15 years or whatever, I just, I haven't, I haven't gone into the other, like any of the books or haven't watched those two animated shows in full or anything. So yeah, I'm going into this as like, I, I honestly didn't even see uh, The Last Jedi on the big screen. So uh, it's not something I've like super kept up with, but I know it's a, maybe a different story for you. Yeah. So yeah, Star Wars, I don't remember the first time I saw Star Wars. I just remember constantly watching the, the VHS set box yeah. set that we had yeah um it was like i would count it as my second or third like my f the first favorite movie i ever had was wizard of oz when i was very little yeah and I, was, I, I love that too i think greece was somewhere in there when i was young even though it's not suitable for children i don't know why parents showed their kids that um but then star wars was a huge part of my life when i was a kid and uh i also probably i don't even really remember i remember liking the prequels because i was like nine mm -hmm. when uh the phantom menace came out and then uh as i got older yeah you watch it with fresh eyes you right. realize you're you know you're less impressed by <laughs> <laughs> graphics and whatever um but uh i yeah i'm very invested in star wars i've seen all of the animated tv show the clone wars mm -hmm. i've seen about half of the most recent animated show rebels um I was ecstatic when they were gonna bring back do do the new trilogy. Mm -hmm. um, for the most part, I've enjoyed huge elements of what they've done so mm -hmm. far. But um, I played a lot of Star Wars video games. I'm just yeah. you know a lot of the take the yes the side so stuff. I, I I missed this part, which was huge. Was that Knights of the Republic was like my favorite game. It's so great, and yeah. So and I and I played a little bit, a little maybe a little Battlefront after yeah. that, but I never got invested and stopped you know kind of fell off the video game train a little bit too so nazi old republic was a was a huge huge part of my gaming experience as a whole and probably still is maybe my favorite game it's great it's um, a top fiver for me for sure so i'm hugely invested star wars is one of my favorite things and uh so it means a lot to me good and i'm gonna stop there <laughs> for 
I talk about my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, no, I do think uh, now might be a good time since we're, you know, we weren't around when Happy Tears, I mean, Happy Tears was not around <laughs> when uh, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi came out. So maybe just um, talking a little bit about our experience there uh, with those two films and going into this movie, what we were expecting, what we were hoping for, those kinds of things. Sure. So for me, I'm going to approach this in two different ways. So I'm going to, as we discuss right now, I'll just talk about my, my thoughts on those two movies as they've come out. Yeah. Because in the last couple of weeks, or the weeks leading up to the release of the new movie, I watched every Star Wars film outside of like Rogue One and Solo. Yeah. So I've watched all nine episodes Cool. Very recently. They're fresh in my mind. Good. But when episode seven came out, I was, I really liked it. I was stoked about the fact that it felt a lot like A New Hope in that there were less CGI characters and more like puppets and, and live action effects, mm-hmm. uh, practical effects. I thought it was a good start on new characters. My, my uh, perspective has changed, and I'll talk about that more as we get through this, on episode seven and eight now that episode nine is done mm-hmm. i think it episode nine exposed a lot of weaknesses of the two previous films yeah. that had episode nine been better maybe it wouldn't have done that or maybe it would have wrapped things up in a different way but from the perspective of before seeing episode nine i really like the force awakens i like the new characters i it is a little bit of a bummer that it's kind of a rehash of the original star wars yeah that was my um, i don't have a ton to say about it except that the Going to see it, I saw it with some uh, friends and uh, actually an an old teacher from high school that I had worked for after high school, and so it was a really it was a cool event experience for sure. Right for all of us, like several of uh, the friends that were with me were just huge, huge Star Wars fans, and so it was just um, it was a very cool movie going experience. But and it was the entertaining factor was was there just as far as. The story goes, yeah, I don't feel like it, it differed enough <laughs> from A New Hope. But but at the same time, understanding that it's just practically a, a set-up movie. Right. Um, so. and, and this is probably the right time to mention that J.J. Abrams has rebooted several different franchises. Mm-hmm. And he kind of has a pattern <laughs> with <laughs> yeah. how he does it, right? right, he'll, right. he'll take the thing that you know, remix elements of it put it through his own J.J. Abrams shooting style and lens and basically kind of repackage something you've already seen before. Right. And before I, before the <laughs> I saw episode nine, I didn't blame him too much for it because it is a tough job to... Uh, yeah, you're trying to please fans that are right. already invested here but also gain some new ones. It's a tightrope for sure to walk. For sure. So he did it with Star Trek um, and even... Uh, oh, Mission Impossible. Because he did Mission Impossible 3 several years after the first two came out. And, uh, yeah. Um, And then The Last Jedi, which is probably the most controversial Star Wars film ever made. (laughs) I really like The Last Jedi. Every time I watch it, I think I like it a little bit less. Yeah. And I've watched it like eight times. Oh, wow. But the first time I saw it, I left the theater thinking that may be the best Star Wars movie ever made. And it might be worth saying now that there's no... We're, we're talking spoilies in this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess <laughs> about we'll everything. that up front. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we're, we'll be going through all of these uh, films. So if you haven't seen them before, you should probably do that. But I'm sure you have. Yes. 
I have a lot of issues with The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. I think the whole Canto Bite sequence, if you cut that out of the movie, it's the same movie. Mm-hmm. Some of the I humor agree. falls flat. Same. It seems a bit clunky to me in, it in parts, right? Totally. And uh, some of those jokes just don't, they seem to not fit the tone in some of those sequences. But And some of the logic of the storytelling, like why, the, why does Luke Skywalker have to force project himself if he's going to die anyway? Or what, you know, like what, like what... It's just like as a as a storyteller, you need to narratively build in a reason why they can't can or can't do X. Yeah, and, and you it, have some some uh, you know some feisty critics, <laughs> for, right? For it's this, huge. If, yeah. So, however, the moments that work soar in a way that are some of my favorite moments of all of Star Wars. And even even some of these are controversial to people. I like Force Leia, where she uses the Force to save her own life. Like, I I thought that was the superhero moment that she always deserved, mm-hmm. that she got. You know. Um, yeah. But then you put her in a coma, and it's just like, why did you do that? That's yeah, dumb. yeah. But there's a lot of whys. Like the more the more I think about it, there's a, a a lot of whys, specifically on you know the narrative elements and plot points, and then thematically, I, I do really like what what Ryan Johnson was, was going for. So that's like the highlight for me. A hundred percent. And then I agree with you on the spectacle part. Yeah. I think that some great moments, but the more, yeah, I guess the more I think about how, um, like consistency issues and stuff, uh, the movie kind of keeps getting a little bit lower, (laughs) but, but in terms of what I I think that it was trying to do and what it could have done, um, if it would have stayed, you know, the same vision over all three films, I think it would uh, could have been a better trilogy overall. A hundred percent. And yeah. that's something that I'm going to harp on a lot. Yeah. Um, and what you just said about the thematic elements of The Last Jedi, it is, to me, what makes it still one of the best Star Wars movies. Yeah. Uh, because of the simple idea that Ray, her parents were nobodies, mm-hmm. according to Ryan Johnson, which sends the message that you don't have to be someone born into... A lineage into noble blood. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a Skywalker to be somebody important. Right. You don't have to be somebody. You don't have to be a Clinton or a Bush or a Trump or a Murdoch. Yeah. You know, to be somebody of significance in the world, and that is a message that has never really been expressed in Star Wars. It's always been about lineage, mm-hmm. which is and and there's room for that story. Absolutely. You know, battling a lineage, you know, the Luke, I am your father of it all is, is so, it's huge. People love that. And I, and I get it, but especially in 20, uh, when did, did Last Jedi come out in 2017, 2018? Doesn't, doesn't really matter. Right. In, in this decade, in this time when the message that any of us can be a person of significance, if we, if we set our mind to it, I think is important. Yeah. And, um. That's that's one of my favorite things about that movie. For sure. Which is another reason why the new one is quite a bummer. <laughs> Before we get there. All right. <laughs> do you want to talk about the like our new perspective of the prequels? And, sure. And and maybe our highlights of the originals. I, I want to hand it to you for sure about that. I haven't I wasn't able to go back and see the to see the originals although I've seen them, you know, multiple times each. Yeah. So maybe through your journey, what have been your your favorite of those six movies? Yeah, I mean, definitely. So I I watched all the Star Wars movies in order of when they came out. So starting with Episode Four, A New Hope. Yeah. 
Empire, Return of the Jedi, and then I went back to Episode One, Two, and Three, and then the new trilogy. It's funny. I watched, <laughs> I watched Episode Three randomly like two or three years ago, and said, "This is terrible. <laughs> this has got to be the worst Star Wars movie." And then now that I've gone back and watched them, like I watched all three of the prequels, and they're all terrible. And that third one's not as bad. As no, I think it's decent. Ones. Yeah, it's there's um, still a lot of it I don't like. Yeah, but going back thinking about it though, it's like <coughs> I didn't have too many points where just the the logic of it all didn't make sense. Like I think they did a decent job storytelling wise for sure. That's an excellent point because it depends on how you're looking at these movies, right? There's logic and narrative storytelling that it, like the story makes sense and it seems motivated and like the the, the story seems to be progressing yes. in a in a believable way. And then there's the entertainment factor and the like and the acting and the visual effects, right? Mm-hmm. Like because going back and now having watched all nine movies in in the last month, basically, right? The original trilogy is you're just never gonna beat what was done first. And just those three, yeah. The the that first movie is the reason everyone loves Star Wars is because they love that first movie. And unless I guess you're really young and you you've Watch the other ones first, Prequels right? For, but, yeah, yeah. but just watch it, going back and watching it again. The the first three movies are the best. I think Empire is the best Star Wars movie. I think it's almost a perfect sequel. The screenplay is like it's just it's so well written, mm-hmm. and it's the movie that you know you took the first movie, which is a a story about a farm boy that looks off into the double sunset and dreams of something more, and then. When the opportunity comes, seizes it and and goes on this epic journey, right? Mm-hmm. Which is something that I think we all can relate to, like wanting something more of our lives and and dreaming about the future and and leaving home and you know living life. Mm-hmm. And there's so many universal relatable themes in that movie, and yeah. it's great. And then the second movie really takes takes that first the the ideas in the first film and expands on all the like all the lore that we know about. Jedi and a lot of the Star Wars universe, a lot of that comes from that second movie. You know, the the Yoda training sessions are always like so packed with like the you know the most perfect little themes and like lessons. Right, you know, right. do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> Moments like when when Luke Skywalker can hardly force juggle rocks, and then Yoda pulls out the 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 x-wing out of the swamp and he says i don't believe it and yoda goes well that's why you fail like things like that yeah and then you know i love you i know classic (laughs) anyway that movie's great other people have spoken you know more eloquently than me about why it's the best star wars movie ever made and then the the third movie which is teddy bears versus robots is fine yeah or the sixth movie or whatever yeah return of the jedi i like it I don't love it, but I still like it more than the prequels. So I don't love the prequels, mostly because the acting and the the visual effects. And, and yeah, it, it, it just, especially episode one, although there are certain elements that are really good. I think the casting, for the most part, other everyone that plays Anakin Skywalker is poorly cast. <laughs> yeah. It, across the, the whole thing, other than James Earl Jones, I suppose. I think, because I was listening to a couple podcasts about this, and they, they said that casting is not George Lucas's forte. Really, he's an effects guy, mm-hmm. right? The positive things you get are Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
I think Qui-Gon Jinn's a great character. Mm-hmm. I think Natalie Portman is pretty good as Padme, Queen Amidala, although her character does not get... She, I think she's a really good character at the beginning that just devolves into a damsel in distress that she could have been so much more yeah. like like Princess Leia is. Right. Those movies really get bogged down by clunky dialogue, pretty bad special effects, and really bad acting by any, everyone that plays Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's and it's it's sad to say, the yeah. the whole first episode feels wooden to me. It's just like there's no emotion to it at all. Mm-hmm. The prequels are bad as individual entertainment standalone movies, and even as a trilogy, they're not great films. But what you said about narrative, the narrative making sense and feeling motivated, I think is there. You understand why Anakin Skywalker goes from this boy to this monster. Mm -hmm. And that's the story it's trying to tell. And it helps that it was told all by one filmmaker. And it's the same voice all the way through. And it makes sense. Whereas, now that I've seen all of these three, the, the new trilogy... I can't say that about any of these films. It's it it's so all over the place with the themes, the messages, and the narrative. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just like it doesn't feel like the same trilogy to me. Right. And so now that I'm looking back at it, from an entertainment standpoint, the the newest movies are more entertaining, but as far as like a good narrative, I think the prequels are better movies. So that's how I look at them now. Yeah. I would say I, I- Pretty much agree with all of that. Well, yeah, we just go into the rise of Skywalker now. And I guess maybe one thing to talk about is just like uh, in terms of narrative and characters going into Rise of Skywalker. Did you have any hopes for individual characters, or um, or I guess just the movie as a whole? Like, yeah, you know, I didn't. I didn't have a ton of expectations. I avoided pretty much all trailers other than the very first trailer that came out, like the teaser, right? Where it ended with the uh, the Emperor's laughter at the end, which is a bummer because I completely disagree with including him in this movie, but it's a huge part of it. So I'm gonna have. I'll talk about it. I'll say my <laughs> piece, and then I'll get past it. But it's a it's an Emperor's new groove of sorts. <laughs> Star Wars Episode Nine. <laughs> <laughs> the Emperor's New Groove. I love it. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah, I, I didn't have a ton of expectations. I just hoped that we would feel some sort of resolution between the Ray and Kylo Ren of it all because it's really been the whole series has been a dance between them back and forth. They obviously have a chemistry and a and a connection mm-hmm. through the force and, and whatnot, and they've been in conflict in both of the previous movies, so I guess my only hope was that the final conflict was going to be the f- the final thing between them two. Yeah. And you you do and don't get that. There is a f- final fight between them, but but then there's more. And I was hope <laughs> I was hoping that the ultimate battle was be- going to be between the two of them, and that wasn't the case in this Yeah. Movie. So for me, yeah, I'm not super I wasn't super invested in the trilogy, so I was hoping that there was going to be some things for me to latch on to specifically with the side characters because i i i th- think that's the fault of a little bit of the last jedi but just of the first two in general is that i didn't i wanted something with like poe and finn to really like latch on to and for them to become more a couple <laughs> <laughs> yeah are you a poe finn <laughs> shipper 
<laughs> I really just, yeah, I don't know. It was like, that was the thing with the this new one. I just, I didn't have an, enough of the, the characters to latch onto. I didn't feel like. I did feel that Adam Driver as Kylo Ren was the one that I did care about more than the others. <laughs> yeah. And I will say about this whole new trilogy, Kylo Ren has been, in my opinion, a pretty compelling villain. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how torn he is. I like that he's young and emotional. Like he's, I can't remember what podcast I was listening to, but they, they were talking about how if the original Star Wars trilogy is how Luke Skywalker finds out he fi- figures out his legacy mm-hmm. and rebels against that dark side, you take that and do the inverse with Kylo Ren. His legacy is the the biggest heroes in the galaxy. Yeah. And he, that the way he rebels against his family is is to go the other way. I think that's at least a good place to start. Yeah. And I do think Adam Driver does a great job playing that character. But I don't know. So, yeah, I wasn't super invested. I was hoping that there was um, – we were a little too far, I guess. We were at the point of no return for some of these characters. But yeah, anyways – so you want to do a little, I guess, plot overview? Yeah. Go for it. The movie starts with the dead speak. <laughs> In the uh, classic Star Wars scrawl. Mm-hmm. Crawl, not scrawl, but it's scrolling. Cr- scrolling. In the crawl, the first line is the dead speak, and apparently uh, off screen, before the movie has even started, <laughs> I'm going to steal this joke from another podcast, but uh, the Emperor has his own podcast, and he puts out a message saying, I'm coming back. <laughs> And so, I'm gonna, I'm trying to give this without just giving all my negative thoughts. I know that's what I'm do. saying. So, we got to start positive. All right. So, but that is that is how the crawl starts. Is right. The dead speak. Oh, look, the emperor's back. He sent out a transmission, basically saying, "What's up, bitches? I'm, I'm about to wreck you guys." <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we find Poe and Finn running running missions for the resistance. Ray is training to be become a Jedi master and her teacher is Leia Organa, General Leia Organa, um, which I thought was nice. Uh, and then we find Kylo Ren like slashing his way through planet after planet. It's kind of vague, but he's trying to find a Sith wayfinder to find his way to the Sith. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes and finds this planet. It's called Exegol, we find later. And that's where the Emperor is. He's back, and he's attached to, like, all these machine parts, and he's got dead eyes with no retinas or, or things, just whited-out eyes. Mm-hmm. And he says, I get a natural dark side. <laughs> and... <laughs> Um, basically the emperor says to Kylo Ren, follow me and, and Sith and Darkseid. And I, I truly don't understand why, what he wants exactly. He's putting, he's put together an armada. He's got a new fleet on this random planet that's like thousands and thousands of ships that all apparently can destroy planets each. So they all have Death Star powers on the size of a destroyer spacecraft anyway um so somehow the resistance get confirmation that the emperor is actually back and it's not a hoax and so our three main characters ray poe and finn decide all right we've got to go find sith 
artifacts in order to find this planet and take this guy out. And they say, Rose, you coming? And she says, nah. And then, so they go on this adventure. And what ensues, so that's that's the first ten minutes of the movie that took me ten minutes to describe. <laughs> There's just so much. It's so rushed and compact. Yeah, for sure. High octane. <laughs> <laughs> so they go on... On this adventure, the th- the three of our main characters are finally together, which I liked. They go kind of planet hopping. They go on a quest for yeah. an artifact, basically, which I thought was kind of fun. Felt the first 45 minutes of this movie felt kind of like an Indiana Jones film. I didn't mind it. I liked hanging out with them. And they all, like, you can tell there's a little bit of time has passed between the last movie, and they all are a little bit closer, and they yep. make fun of each other, and they got jokes. and Questies with the besties. Questies with the besties. I love that. <laughs> That's what the first act of this movie is, was, is Questies with Or Questies besties. with your besties, maybe. So. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. I like it. It's revealed in about the middle of the movie that Ray, who came, whose lineage is a group of nobodies, well, that turns out not to be true. It turns out that Emperor Palpatine is her grandfather. <gasps> oh, my. Wow. <laughs> Boo. Yeah. So, um, now... In classic J.J. Abrams style, we're telling the same story again of a good person fighting their evil lineage. Eventually, the Resistance makes their way to Exegol. The big epic final battle that's going to decide the fate of the galaxy is taking place while Rey is confronting Emperor Palpatine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eventually, Kylo Ren, who has turned to the light side, and I guess now we'll just call him Ben Solo, joins her, and they confront the Emperor together. Apparently he's really powerful and can, like, steal their life force. Force healing is introduced in this, which is a factor of of many video games, so I accept it. At the end of the day, Rey defeats her grandfather, Emperor Palpatine. The Resistance defeats the weird Sith Armada that nobody knows where they came from. And Ben Solo gets one kiss in and then dies. Mm. Do you think that's his first kiss? You know, like the Jedi are supposed to leave lead uh, like yeah. uh, lives of purity and and monks. Yeah, they're kind of like monks. So, do you think he got his first kiss and immediately died? I wonder. Unless, as he embraced the dark side, he just started <laughs> maybe getting getting all kinds of ass. <laughs> he seems to like. Well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, along the way, we get C three PO making a. A huge sacrifice for his friends, only to be ten minutes later. You're completely. still going through all of your negative. Notes. And then Luke Skywalker <laughs> shows up. <laughs> I'm just trying to cover all the bases. Oh, Princess Leia dies. General mm-hmm. Leia dies. That was a big plot point. That was that's a tough one because the actor's no longer with us. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. I love you, Carrie. Um, and uh, we end with Ray going back to Tatooine, burying. Leia and Luke's lightsabers. She lights her brand new lightsaber built from her bow staff. It's got a yellow blade. And she's looking off into the double sunset, much like Luke did all those years ago. And some lady, some nosy ass lady walks up and says, no one's been here for a long time. What is your name? And she says, Ray. She says, what's your last name? She's like, Ray what? And Ray goes, Skywalker. And then Force Ghost, Luke and Leia, smile. One more look off into the sunset. BB-8's there too. End of trilogy. Cut to black. Yeah, end of trilogy. 
end of the Skywalker saga? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> positives, pros. I like Carrie Russell's voice. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, although we didn't see her face, I knew who it was. We saw her eyes, too. Right. Oh, man. Well, I love the Americans. And yeah, her voice is just like a comforting voice. I don't know. I love her voice. Yeah. So, um, there's one positive. I've got, I've had some positives. No, I know. Did you like her character, though? I thought it was fine. I don't know how necessary it was. It was just like, in a movie that's... There's so much to... There's just so much going on in this movie, and it feels super long, but also super... Like, they tried to fit too many things in. Right. Um, part Part of the problem is, I feel like, Ryan Johnson's movie, although I do like a lot of elements about it, didn't really set up anything to happen next, or any reason why we should continue to care. So I feel like J.J. is trying with the first part of the movie to revitalize, like, get people into it. And it's it's just like, there's just so many storylines and things going mm-hmm. on. Yes. I And I feel like if you cut that character, it doesn't really affect the movie that much. Yeah. But I thought she was fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I do like, um, as far as the entertainment value goes, you know, like going through this, uh, I had kind of already seen what the critical reception was like. Um, and I walked away, you know, there's some some spectacle moments and some the entertainment value is still still high for me and i still like uh like kylo's character in this uh film as well hit me with some pros i kind of mentioned this in in the super long recap but the first act or the first like 45 minutes where it is kind of like an indiana jones movie mm-hmm. i really appreciated that element i actually had a lot of fun jumping around the galaxy a little bit with our three characters. And I appreciated that our main three characters finally got to be all together. And Yeah, that part is nice. You know, like, it it did feel, going back to the original Star Wars, you know, once once Han and Luke rescue Princess Leia, there's banter going on. And they're, they're, you know, poking fun at each other and arguing a little bit, and but also hugging sometimes. Mm -hmm. Lots of hugging in this movie. (laughs) Did you notice that? It's almost as if they knew it was the end. Um, I also really I do like C-3PO's character in this uh, as well it's one of the first times C-3PO is not just a punchline the entire C-3PO's been a punchline his entire right <laughs> like existence basically and uh, yeah he got some good moments mm-hmm. I wish that they weren't completely no, undercut oh we're on positives Nick alright all right. <laughs> yeah I like that Poe and Finn were resistance bros now and Finn finally is like Full on a resistance member. There's no questioning. There's no like, who am I and what right. am I doing? It's just like, we are freedom fighters. Let's fight. And it was it was fun seeing these guys mm-hmm. do their thing. A lot of the action, yeah, is is, is entertaining. The the opening uh, sequence with Poe, Finn, and Chewie in the Falcon. They're they're like they got a message from somebody and they're running and they do that. What's what's called now light speed skipping. Where Poe would like hit lights, go into the hyperspace, and then come out of it. And now they're on another planet, and they're still, and then they're still running from the first order. So he'd go into light speed again, and then stop. And I thought that was cool. The idea of light speed skipping was interesting, and the action of it was was good. Yeah, honestly, the big one of the big moments of the the film, which is uh, the face off between Kylo Ren and Rey on 
it's like another one of the moons of Endor. Yeah. It, uh, like around this ocean on the wreckage of the original Death Star. Or, or sorry, the, the Death Star from the final, the episode six, Return of the Jedi. Was a cool, it, visually very cool. I think so as well, yeah. Definitely I love positive the, for me as well. The, um, the crashing waves, you know, it's like an intense You could storm. really feel it, yeah. It yeah, like, and and... Although I don't like the Emperor having anything to do with the exactly. story, you've got to accept it as as it is. And the fact that it goes back, like she has to go back to her scavenging roots and like climb through the wreckage of this this space station and um, you know find this artifact is cool. And then the actual fight they have is great. And honestly, the I mean the way that that their conflict happens could have been the the best ending to this saga because the the way it happened i mean here's here's my this is a I, i'm gonna go a little into the negative but here's what i think could have been a really compelling way to take the direction of this film because i think the most compelling thing has been the kylo versus ray conflict mm-hmm. and if we could have just stuck with the story that was this person versus this person these two characters kind of are the embodiment of the fine line versus good and evil, right? They're two characters who are pretty similar, and they have a very deep connection. Mm-hmm. And throughout the entire trilogy, they've alluded to the fact that Ben Solo is still in there somewhere. There are no he's fighting the light side, you know, as yeah. opposed to you know Luke who had to fight against the dark side and whatever. But these two characters fall just on e- the o- the other side of the dividing line of light and dark side, right? There we could also see a world where Rey goes to the dark side. They actually really want to make you think that she could turn, right? Right. I think that this whole story could have been a pretty nuanced story about how like how similar those of us that end up on opposite sides of party and political lines and and these philosophical arguments of our times can really be like how despite ideological differences really a lot of us are not that different and you know the way that this final battle takes place it's ray and kylo fighting on this wreckage right on, on top of remnants of old battles i'm thinking I'm thinking very politically here, but like everything that we argue about politically is is the same arguments that have been happening for years and years in like the American political system. And, you know, if you think about the battle, the way it took place in the movie, by the end, they can like barely lift their swords, right? Yeah. Like their laser swords. They they are just they're exhausted because it's exhausting. This fight this good versus evil, this light versus dark, this red versus blue, this Republican versus Democrat. And I know I'm I'm getting very – a lot of people don't want all this uh, <laughs> symbolism maybe, but that's just how stories go. Yeah. I, it's exhausting, right? I mean the – this fight is exhausting. Twitter arguments are exhausting. The news cycles and discourse, arguments about Star Wars are exhausting. I think that this battle – was a really good embodiment or could have been a really good embodiment of that conflict, this kind of larger notion of this conflict. Um, and so I think it could have, that could have been the end of the movie or, or you know, you, you rewrite certain parts about it. That's why I think the emperor thing is just so dumb because you don't need it. Yeah. At the end of the day, like why 
Kylo Ren didn't need the Emperor for anything. He was already the guy in charge. I don't know why he didn't just <laughs> slice him in two right there. <laughs> right. You know? And so if you let go of the Emperor story and, like, this kind of armada that comes out of nowhere and the weird Sith beasts in the Astrodome and, and just let it be about these two people that are not that different but entrenched in, like, this kind of dogma mm-hmm. for this epic finale, I think it would have been a much more satisfying ending. And so I'm saying I like that part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Everything so after it I'm doesn't saying. matter that much is, is I guess what I'm saying. But I get you. Anyway, that's my pitch on on why that part of the movie is good and why you don't need a lot of the other parts. Other pros? <laughs> <laughs> Not many. <laughs> I I do think the C3PO stuff is is pretty nice. You know, the the moment that he tells R2D2 that you've been the best friend I've ever had. That's a happy tears moment for me. We'll get to more of those later. Kind of like the last Jedi, there's a lot of fat you can cut out of this movie. I mean, the I don't really understand the point of having that extra droid, the little guy with the cone face. Yeah. Wheel guy with the cone face. Mm-hmm. Uh I know what the they they kind of Gave him a reason when he had the map to Exegol, but you could have made that any other narrative reason of them finding right. the map. Um, it just seemed like they're trying to sell more toys. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> if you're out of pros, what other thoughts do you want to... Because I've just been railing, and I can rail. <laughs> I can keep railing. I mean, I think we're going to have pretty pretty similar things, like I said, coming out of the, the movie. I was uh, entertained and was like, oh, I don't think that... I expected it to be worse but at the same time i hadn't really thought about it much like even just from the get-go i i just thought that maybe i'd miss something with emperor palpatine and that because it's been a bit since i've seen some of the stuff i was like oh maybe i'd you know missed that he was clearly coming back and afterwards talk to you about it and you're like no that's not the case at all yeah they just (laughs) they introduced a character to this movie in the trailer so and then and then in the crawl, right? So yeah. it's like there was no narrative depiction of this guy coming back or any reasoning, yeah, any reasoning or any uh, uh, like forward foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. It was it was just they needed a new bad a guy. They needed a new bad guy because Ryan Johnson killed their old one, which I do think was dumb of Ryan Johnson. But I I just think it would have been more compelling for it to just be a clash of. The two characters we already right, and I, I do think the reversal thing in this is like you were going to with the C three PO, but there's others as well, like with Luke and even you know Chewie dying. Um, oh right, yeah, that was dumb. Yeah, like a there's lot. There's no the, way that was going to be real, right? <laughs> that didn't fool me for a second. Uh, no, but it, but like those types of things, I, I think didn't serve the serve the movie at all. And took a little bit of your, <laughs> any emotional investment I had was kind of like reversed at some, at some point. So, right. um, well, and that gets me to the point of the kind of JJ Abrams versus Ryan Johnson right. of it all, which is a bummer. Cause I don't think that's the way either of these filmmakers and in, maybe intended it to be definitely. I don't think Ryan Johnson intended to, I think he just made what he thought was the most interesting Star Wars movie and I don't want to say JJ took it as a middle finger. <laughs> yeah. But whatever happened was and this this also gets to the point of how now that the trilogy is over, it really exposes the faults of episode 7 and 8 
So like in seven, you've got JJ saying, here are your new characters. It's very much, it's a lot of setup, which I get it. Yeah. You get the stormtrooper that is defected and Finn. You get Ray, who's the scavenger, who is our new Luke Skywalker looking off into the sunset, waiting for something new to happen. You've got the Han Solo of Poe, Dameron, fighter pilot. Mm -hmm. Despite it being kind of a rehash of of the first movie plot-wise, I think there's a lot of fun to be had in that movie. And for the most part, it gets me, it sets me up to be excited about where these characters are going to go next, I think. I think the problem with it is if J.J. had a specific idea for where that was going to go, he should have set it up less vaguely. Yeah. <laughs> because I think it was really open for interpretation what was going to happen next. And then Ryan Johnson took that and said, okay, where can these... We, we, the only thing we know is that Ray is standing in front of Luke Skywalker at the end of The la- uh, right. Force Awakens, right? So that's like the next thing everything else as far as resistance versus first order all of that is is wide open open range Mm -hmm. so ryan johnson tells a story about how the jedi need to die and how basic i think i look at it as the institutions that we've come to believe in don't need to be the things that that uh like define us define us yeah and that that any individual can be someone of significance right and I think those themes I really like, but then the the biggest problem in episode nine is because of a lot of backlash of episode eight and probably because of the philosophical differences between JJ and Ryan, mm-hmm. within the first 10 minutes of, of episode nine, he has already said, oh yeah, remember that thing in episode eight? No, that's not real. That's not true. This is like, right. like big, big plot points. Like a huge thing that happened in episode eight is- the breaking of Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. So at the end of that big fight sequence between Kylo Ren and Rey and the the Emperor's Guard or whatever, mm-hmm. he tries to get her to to rule the galaxy with him. She says no. They fight and they fight. They're, they're force pulling at the lightsaber and the lightsaber breaks. And it's this big plot point because that's a, a weapon that's seen its way through the entire series. It's a huge deal. Yeah beginning of this movie oh leia fixed it <laughs> off off screen you know like yeah. a lot of stuff like that and that you know the emperor's back it's just like really it just felt like these two filmmakers are playing tennis with our favorite characters and and this universe and there was no vision which it makes me wonder what kathleen kennedy is doing she's you know she's the producer in charge of star wars and i feel like it's her job to shepherd a narrative because there are different directors coming in mm-hmm there are a lot of elements about these movies I like. There's a lot of spectacle that I like. And some of the moments are my favorite Star Wars moments. But as far as the way it all connects as a narrative, it is pretty piss poor, in yeah. my opinion. And that's why I think as a narrative, the prequels now stand out as a, a better group of films. Although they're not as fun to, you know, all the acting, all the technical aspects of these movies are great. Cinematography is great. And I know that. Episode 9 is a tough, it's a huge task oh, to yeah. end it in a way that is interesting and satisfying. You're never going to make everybody happy, and you're taking 42 years of legacy, and you're supposed to tie a bow on it. I understand it's very difficult, but I think you just they just threw too much at the wall to see what would stick, and 
because of the lack of direction, in my opinion, I think it may be my least favorite Star Wars movie. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have enough of the... I'd, I'd have to go do kind of a rewatch like you did to, um, you know, fit it. Well, to place it somewhere on the, the one to nine, but... I do agree that I at least noticed the the most or was like had the most frustrations and kind of just took me out of the the whole thing the more I think about it. It's tough to think that it ended this way and and still have like I don't know, still thinking that there was something there like you were saying like it if it just would have been more consistent there there could have been a, a better outcome but yeah. And we could talk about happy tears and that might bring some light back into this. That's true. I mean, I have and and for all the negativity I have, I cried a bunch during this movie. <laughs> and and that's what I th- I think that to harp on one more negative, well, it's sort of a negative. These movies, these new movies are more clearly now than ever to me were a big kind of cash grab. <laughs> yeah. And as opposed to the prequels was George Lucas said, I've got a story to tell and I want to tell Anakin Skywalker's story. And so this series now it was just well, we need more Star Star Wars movies. What can we come up with? Right, and, and they were just making it up as they went, and that can work sometimes. I feel like that's kind of what Marvel did, although they started planning further and further out. But definitely, when they made Iron Man, they didn't have Endgame in mind. That came up over time. They had no Endgame. I, well, not yet. <laughs> so I feel like these movies are built on nostalgia, yes, and big moments. Mm-hmm. Rather than narrative clarity and <laughs> telling a good story that's like consistent and right, motivated, right. Um, and and so as far as happy tears that we can go into those now. I've got yeah. a, I've got a ton across all three of these new movies, and I don't think that makes it makes for good moments, but it doesn't necessarily make for a good story beginning to end. Yeah, and so how many of those happy tears are related to older characters? Probably everyone. Which makes it seem like another just kind of like device thrown in. And it kind of cheapens it, yeah. right? I mean, it's, it's, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to, I don't have all of mine written out across like the, the new trilogy. Right, right. Yeah, I don't, it's all based around Luke, Leia, and Han, you know? Which, yeah, nostalgia, yeah. Yeah. So, and I think every podcast or review I've, I've listened to and read has referenced Marvel in that they also wrapped up this year a huge saga in a shorter amount of time, but they did, you know, wrapped up 22 movies in a generally, you know, you know, I love it, right. but generally people agree that that Marvel phase right. came to a satisfying ending. So it can be done. And it, it's a bummer that I don't think this one did, but yeah. let's, let's talk about, I I've got, I've got plenty of more negatives, but I can, let's just yeah, talk let's... about the, uh, the good stuff. What are your happy tears? Yeah, so I don't know one. if I, I got like, if they were full on happy tears here, but I know that the moments that were closest was were the C-3PO moments, like the one you, you mentioned earlier with R2, but also just that like his, uh, you know, how long he's been around and the idea of his memory being wiped, um, all that was lost there, but also just feeling for, a you know, a character that's uh, a droid and... and you know, you you still have, you still empathize for this character, yeah. this robot. And then, like you said, it was the kind of emotional impact there gets gets reversed because C three PO regains it all. That was my main one. I don't, I don't think I had any others. It's tough for me 
pretty much any time I see a photo of Carrie Fisher, I start crying. So at the beginning, when Ray is training and she talks to Leia, Leia Leia gives her some direction or something, and she said Ray responds with "Yes, Master." The fact that Leia is is now the teacher, yeah, uh, that's cool, was touching to me. The biggest one for me is a lot of moments compounded on top of each other, right? So, um, this the sequence where Leia dies in this movie is also a sequence where uh, Kylo Ren dies, and we see Han Solo again. So, like, I don't, yeah, I don't think that the they the gave her what she deserved for, like. At least in terms of, and maybe because they tried to squeeze so much into this, like like you were saying, there's just so much going on. Right. Uh, but I didn't feel it as much because it was like kind of onto the next thing. On and and like you were saying, there's a lot going on at the same time. Totally. And and it didn't really get to breathe. I, it is very difficult. In everything I've read, they they basically said that the first movie had a lot of Han Solo in it. The second movie had a lot of Luke Skywalker. I think th- the plan was yeah. this was supposed to be Leia's movie. That's tough. Carrie Fisher dies. Uh, you've got to now repurpose some yeah. cutting room floor footage from the last two movies and use a body double when they're not showing her face and, and try to patch a story best. together. It's yeah. it's not an enviable <laughs> position yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But the thing I did love about when they did send her off, although it, it wasn't the the most I don't know it it was fine mm-hmm. it was the moment that Chewie found out because that I think I was probably already crying but what really got me <laughs> was Chewie like screams and drops to his knees and you you realize that it's like everyone he knows is gone right you know all you know Lando's still around the droids are around but you know his best friends are all yeah yeah are all casualties of this greater thing and mm-hmm. i wish we could have even hung on that for a minute longer you know i agree yeah and then but yeah i think it goes right then into uh kylo ren after being saved has a vision of han solo that also got me emotionally his last line han solo's is i know which is just so perfect you know when you think about empire strikes back and that I love you, I know scene, and yeah, uh, yeah. Some of these moments are very meaningful to me. Although I just think the the job of a movie is to tell a good narrative story, and I just don't I don't know if I thought that happened here. Totally agree. Do you think it's the end of? So they've set up a bunch a bunch of stuff, right? You know, Lando says, "Let's go find out where you're from, Stormtrooper girl." <laughs> People, I've seen have hinted at maybe that's like a disney plus show oh yeah it seems like ray ray might get another trilogy right that's not a star a a skywalker related thing she gets her own movies or something it's totally a possibility but i don't know i don't know i mean they're gonna make money from it either way so i I don't i don't see why they wouldn't do a lot of these things but um but that does take us the, the mandalorian is another obviously big thing that uh came out the same year and we're going to get more of that certainly yeah and it's very different in scope and scale and uh the type of story it is so let's talk about the mandalorian let's do it nice what a segue mandalorian look outside they are waiting for you 
Yeah, so from uh, the description from StarWars.com is the Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy far from the authority of the New Republic. Well, I had some hot takes on the last subject. Yep. Not as much here. So some tepid takes? (laughs) It's time for some tepid takes. With Nick and Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you lead this off? Yeah, so I, I was, um, again, my investment into this is not huge. So I was going in hoping I would get something that felt like Star Wars and had a good story. Yeah. And I felt like for the most part, it definitely felt like Star Wars to me. And I think there's a good story there. I do wish that the I think the ba- the last two episodes of The Mandalorian are better than the majority of the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, I think it was a cool setup, and then it kind of got bogged down in a little bit of the same stuff. And I think a big part of that, or why I was feeling that way, is because we were waiting a week for kind of a short episode where not much... There was stuff that happened, but in terms of... Um, going forward in the storyline, I didn't feel like there was much of that for the first like five episodes or something. Yeah, and and that's an interesting thing because I don't, I think it's just not that type of show that is week to week trying to advance a single narrative. I think it's more of an episodic monster of the week type of show. Yes, kind of, you know, akin to like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I, right, but uh, yes, but at the same time, I feel like the last. Two were more narrative based, and so yeah, maybe I was thinking it was going to be something else, and then just was kind of like, yeah, it was kind of monster of the week sort of situation. Well, well yeah, because that that was my my rea- You know, I thought it was going to be a lot more narrative, and it it that my takeaway was, yeah, this is this reminds me of like a Xena Warrior Princess or Angel right. or v- Buffy, where there is a generally speaking an overarching narrative, but really. Every, you only get that every three or four episodes on those those old shows that were like 22 episodes a season or right. whatever. The rest is just like, you know, there's a new adventure every week. That was the way I saw this. It's yeah, like, yeah you're just on a new planet. Right. Fighting a new bad guy with a new mission or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And maybe I'm accustomed now that we have so much great narrative tv i'm just i'm not used to that anymore (laughs) i think that's true Um, i think like ever since the sopranos and the wire and breaking bad and Mad Men and all these stories that are you know that have trained us to want you know we're we feed the beast of of narrative right (laughs) Right. like honestly i think it was kind of a bold choice to to not do that whether or not it makes for the most entertaining show because it also reminded me of Buffy or some of these shows in that some of the sporting actors were okay at best, you know, (laughs) you know, like, I agree. So in some ways I think it's kind of bold, but also, I don't know, maybe you could have, if, if you are telling week to week kind of standalone stories that don't super advance the narrative. Yeah. Those, they better be pretty entertaining and not that they weren't, but yeah. and, And there is the, you know, the big thing here is that we don't see Mandalorian's face. Yeah, it was another point, you know, another barrier of entry, I guess. Yeah. Um, was like not being able to actually feel emotionally connected to the main character of this show until close to the end. Although I do, I I thought they did pretty well 
given the fact that they hadn't shown his face, like I, I was, I was pretty down with Mando. Like I, I thought the physicality of of the way the character was played and the way the vo- the voice was so perfect. I think I agree. The voice was perfect for the character, and that that he does a good job physically. I just personally didn't have a way to care for him as much outside of being a cool character like he's a cool like badass type of yeah um but yeah it's like it's like if he would have died on screen and they transferred to a different character i'd have been like oh man that kind of sucks but who's this new person (laughs) (laughs) like i i didn't have like a particular yeah just i guess emotional investment is what we've been saying but yeah i don't know i think i think i might have trying to search I mean search your feelings. there's there is the the element of being he's like this caretaker now which I I guess is would help me out a little bit but yeah I don't know I just I would it would have been interesting I know that the reveal and everything is is impactful but having some sort of like idea of what this person <laughs> looks like and stuff and I, I but I, I get that that's a main a main part of the story that is withheld from us yeah but I do think that it was evident that they put a lot of attention into creating this atmosphere because I definitely felt like these were all like, you know, their own worlds and I, I felt in it for sure, which I thought was cool. And I think I think they did a good job at making it still feel like Star Wars, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's basically like a space Western, right? So, yeah, that just made it seem like they cared about this universe <laughs> and the characters maybe outside of like the big money grab part of it. It, it didn't seem like that to me. However, okay, speaking of money grab, how early do you think they had built out all the Baby Yoda me- memes? Oh, that, that, that's, sorry. I Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in terms of, I, I mean, specifically um, universe-wise, I, I feel that way. But in terms of the Baby Yoda <laughs> character, I definitely feel like that was, it's tough because you know once you do that, that's like, it just seems a little... Uh, it seems like cheating. Almost, yeah, I get that. <laughs> like, th- there was so much internet buzz just about how cute this animated creature was. Yeah, or I, or was it a puppet? I guess it was a puppet, right? I don't know if it was. was yeah, it a practical effect. Probably a little of both. It was. It was animated somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Whether physically or <laughs> digitally. Anyway, a lot of of the buzz hinged on the cuteness of a of a baby alien <laughs> right and based on something that we already knew it, it was just like the cuteness factor of it and everything just seemed a little bit like cheating to me yeah no i agree but i did i i still generally enjoyed it agree despite that i wish there were more standout elements other than one character is very cute <laughs> and the other one is perfectly stoic <laughs> yeah exactly i i agree and then what you're saying about the side the, the bill bird <laughs> Yeah, that episode thing was pretty funny because I think that's a pretty good episode. It's it's probably one of the best. I think. Yeah, for sure. And I just think that it, uh, I could never <laughs> get out of him hey! as me knowing Bill Burr. What are you doing outside? Sorry, that's a terrible builder. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey. So that took me out a little bit of the because because Werner Herzog is in it as well, and he oh. was, he was I think great. For he that was role. good. I thought Nick, uh, Nick Nolte did a good job as yeah, as, me too old man farmer alien i did appreciate you know as as both of us have played the uh nice of the old republic games there's a lot of mandalorian stuff i think i don't know if it's the first or the second one maybe the second one one of your 
like side people that you pick up is a Mandalorian warrior from thousands of years ago, mm-hmm. or, you know, from from the time of that that thing, and so you get steeped in a lot of the the lore, lore of, of Mandalore, and uh, so that made this series all the more exciting for me because I I do know a little bit about the history of of that race yeah. of people and and there were some funny funny bits here as well which i thought hit pretty well like the uh, the scout trooper bit in the last episode when they're just kind of talking <laughs> <laughs> played by um Sudeikis yeah and someone else Sude- yeah Jason Sudeikis and uh dang it yeah the other i the other person's big as well I yeah remember though yeah, I did think that was the, really just the moment. <laughs> I, I love the moment where two stormtroopers are just like, well, like just <laughs> the, showing the boredom of being a stormtrooper is something that's never been properly explored in actual Star Wars canon. Yeah. You know, I'm sure Family Guy's done tons of stuff on it and whatever, but just like two stormtroopers just sitting on speeder bikes <laughs> waiting for something to happen. That was hilarious. Yeah, and then the actual shooting of the being like the gun not having a good shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I forgot they're like trying to shoot the whatever. Yeah, they're so yeah, the shoddy equipment. So yeah, I just think that those parts are are really funny. And then um I thought IG11 was great too. Who's that? The the droid, the like the um Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The he's the assassin droid at the yeah. beginning and then becomes a caretaker droid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. I am because it ended so strongly. I think uh, I am really looking forward to season two, just to see, yeah, to see where where it goes. And I do like the Mandalore stuff. I like that. I mean, I'm not huge into all of the, uh, you know, the lingo and lore of Star Wars, but it seems. Are we doing? Are we doing spoilers? I think it's fine this way. Yeah, and I'm not sure this would. If anyone knows the lore, then they've seen this already. So, um, but like the dark saber. Yeah, that was cool. Um, at the you know at the end, um, which is a yeah Mandalorian artifact weapon from uh, from ages past, ages past. <laughs> and so I guess this is the first time it's shown up in, anywhere. Uh, there's a dark saber in the animated show Star Wars Rebels, right? Right. But, but I mean, in, in, in a live in, action thing, yeah, for yeah, sure. Cool. Um, so yeah, I generally have like I'm glad I watched it and I watched yeah. season two. But in terms of like happy tears moments, I don't. I'm not sure that I had any. I don't think I did either. But the Nick Nolte's character, Queel, Queel. I think Queel. Queel sounds right. Say Queel. Queel. One of those. Yeah. I thought his death was was uh, definitely emotional. Yeah. Moment in it, but it, it's not like we were just super connected either way. For sure. But yeah, looking forward to more of this. That's just about. That's about it. <laughs> the Mandalorian is available on Disney Plus streaming platform. I think it's like six bucks a month, maybe seven. If you're trying to do a Star Wars refresher like I did, totally worth it for at least a month. Or just get that free week and, right. just, and binge everything. <laughs> Power through. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Happy Tears. Happy Tears is produced by Nick Melita and Brandon Henry. You can find us on social media platforms such as Instagram at Happy Tears Podcast, uh, Facebook, the Happy Tears Facebook page, and newly, we have a Twitter account. Whoa. Crazy. We haven't used it much, but we're gonna, hopefully. We're at Happy Tears Pod. You can find 
More info as well as today's show notes at happytearspod.com. You can also leave a review at Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify if that's how you uh, listen to podcasts. Speaking of Spotify, tell me. We've got a nice little playlist going called Happy Tears Mixtape where we put some of the songs that we recommend or talk about on the podcast. Throw them on there for your enjoyment, for our enjoyment, for everyone's enjoyment. So much enjoyment. Speaking of music, (laughs) (laughs) original theme music by Homage. You can catch his tunes at youtube.com slash Homage Beats. Be sure to tune in next week. We will be covering... Marriage Story by Noah Baumbach and Uncut Gems starring Adam Sandler directed by the Safdie Brothers as well as our Oscar preview will be coming out sometime next week so stay tuned that's all for this week of Happy Tears Farewell.